We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. All right. Hey, trust me when I say I'm so glad you came out on a Sunday night. I'm so glad you're here. This is me clapping for you for being here with me tonight. I, I want to promise you to get through this sermon quickly so we can get to this baptistry tonight. I'm so excited about baptisms tonight. And also, also I also promise to get you out of here quick enough to watch the Cowboys beat whoever they're playing tonight. I'm so glad you're all here. Welcome back to Redemption Church. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I'm here to welcome everybody. Blessings to you. Everybody in the room, you all look great. Look at somebody say, you look fabulous. And everybody online, I can't see you. You may be wearing cat pajamas for all I know, but you're fabulous just the way you are. Thank you for tuning in with us. We're having a great day because we're going to baptize people in Christ. Can we hear it for that one more time? Woo! Celebrate that all the way. So we are in the second week of our sermon series, and it is called Deep Fake. All the people you saw in our intro video are not real. Not one of them is real. The voices aren't real. Uh, the visual is not real. AI took a bunch of simulations of human movements, and they made that. I gave it a script. I mean, except for the part about my humor. No, no, he... AI just went and said that all on its own. Now, I, I wrote a script and it, I could literally uh, have it say whatever uh, I want it to say. In fact, if you want to uh, have the AI say something really silly next week, you can text our anonymous line, 214-856-0550. It might, might find its way into our sermon bumper next week. But what are deep fakes? Let me remind you, deep fakes are synthetic media that have been digitally manipulated to replace the person's image convincingly with that of another. Deepfakes hijack the creator's image and then manipulate that image for their own liking. Quick review from last week. You were made in the image of God. And then sin came and it hijacks that image and it corrupts it so bad it doesn't look anymore like the image of God. But we can reclaim the image of God through Jesus because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That's our scripture memory for this month. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. I want to remind you because I love this. I'm passionate about it, about our Venn diagrams. I'm not passionate about Venn diagrams. I'm passionate about what I'm about to show you. Let's go back to that first one, that first Venn diagram. All right, that first one uh, should have, there it is. So we have God. Is anyone like God? No. Nobody's like God. Only God is God. Right? right? Yeah. Nobody is like the Lord God Almighty. He's God all by himself. And then there's mankind over here. Mankind is the only thing in all of creation that's made in the image of God. Right. Not pretty butterflies. Not tall giraffes. Not the beautiful planets of the world. Of the, of the world. Of the universe. But only mankind. So we can say only mankind is mankind. And only God is God. And God creates mankind. But because of sin, there's a big gap between them. These circles cannot touch. God is holy. Mankind is not holy. Mankind has fallen into sin. 
Because of sin, separation was brought between God and mankind. But Jesus is both God and man. So only God is God. Only mankind is mankind. And only Jesus is both. Only Jesus is both God and man. If you want to see God, who do you look to? Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. If you want to see what you are supposed to look like, who do you look to? You look to Jesus because Jesus is the perfect image of what man was always supposed to look like. Men and women were supposed to act, live like Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is both. Through Jesus and only Jesus can you reclaim the image. Today I want to talk to you about the broken image. I want you to imagine you overhear your friend say, oh no, I broke my phone. Has that ever happened? It happens all the time. Well, it's, it's like it's a panic usually. You, everyone has dropped their phone and it's gone face down and you're like, you, you might not be a praying person, but suddenly you pray a little bit. You're like, dear Lord in heaven, <laughs> when I turn that over, oh please Lord, do not let that be broken. I know, I know people that are not Christian at all, but they will pray to the Lord in those moments, right? So they, you, they, your friend says, oh no, my phone is broken. And you look over at your friend and you may look over and see them point out a little chip on the side of their phone, the little metal housing of their phone. Or perhaps they look at the screen and they say, oh, there's a little hairline fracture. Maybe it's going to cause more problem. Hopefully it doesn't, like these kind of things. Or perhaps even like the charging port doesn't quite fit and they're like fiddling with the charge. It's not working. My phone's broken, right? Now, these things are, are things where you can still use the phone. They're not completely a destruction of the phone. In fact, it's still usable. And, and kids, it, just because you have a little ding on your phone does not mean you need to go get a new phone. And every mom and dad say, preach, preacher. Preach. All right. When we are talking about the broken image of sin, we are not talking about a little cosmetic damage on the margins of your life. No, it's, it's going to look more like, like this. Can we show that broken phone right, right there? It's more like this. It's closer to this. Who wants to use this phone? I got news for one of my kids. This is their birthday present this next year. They were asking for a phone. It's a new phone. It's new to them, right? I do not know what happened to this phone. But, but this phone is hurt so badly, maybe someone thought it was one of those new flip phones and it wasn't designed to be that kind of a flip phone, right? No, we're talking so badly broken is sin. So badly broken is the image that you can't hardly make out what it was supposed to be. Some people would have trouble making that out as a phone. You're questioning actually the purpose of this device if you didn't know phones so well. Why? Because it's so badly broken, you can't, you can't tell what the creator intended it to be anymore. It's that broken. What end are you supposed to talk to on this thing anymore? Is that broken shard of glass, is that where I'm supposed to put the number in and dial? 
I want to tell you that sin breaks us. Sin breaks our relationships. It breaks our friendships. And it breaks our marriages so badly that the world doesn't know how to use what the Creator invented anymore. Now, I just preached. Y'all listen to that. The world doesn't even know what to make of marriage anymore because we have broken it. It's been broken so badly by sin. We don't know what to make of love anymore because it's been broken so badly by sin. People think that that love is something entirely that it's not anymore. Sin has broken our blessings like pleasure, wealth, and success so badly that it is bro- it's no longer what it was meant to be. It's now a broken piece of materialistic pride that exalts its own self above God. We can look in every area of our life in the brokenness of sin. The breaking that sin brings makes it hard to take what God has created and use it properly. Sin breaks us worse than any cell phone pic I could find. I searched way too long on Google trying to find the most broken picture of a cell phone. I want to tell you, I could not find a picture that does justice what sin breaks, how it breaks in our life. And here is why that happens. Here is why sin breaks. It's John chapter 10 verse 10. Jesus says these words. He says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He only comes for these reasons. The same enemy. We're talking about the same enemy that last week we talked about slithered up to Eve and began to talk. He is slithering up to us and he comes to do what? Steal? kill and destroy. Very good. I want to tell you sin only steals, kills, and destroys. Sin will not make you happy. Somebody say amen. amen. Does, well, it will only make you happy if, if uh, stealing, killing, and destroying makes you happy. Sin will not bring you joy. Sin will not bless your finances. Oh, and people think it will, but it won't. Sin cannot improve your life. I'm going to say that one more time. Sometimes people think, well, if I could just, you know, skirt the rules right here, it'll be really convenient for me. It will be better for me. It will improve my life. How many know that's not right? Somebody will lift your hands in this place. I'm glad I've got some young kids that know that is not right. Sin never improves your life. It only steals, kills, and destroys and so, once again, how badly are we talking breaking here? How, how bad are we talking broken? We're talking broken enough that Cain kills Abel. We're talking broken enough that God had to send a flood because sin was that broken in the world. We're talking so broken that God had to look down and say, there's only one thing that can save this world. I got to send my only son. Sin is that broken. Not a small little little cosmetic blemish on your phone but a complete destruction a complete murder and a complete loss because it's stolen that is the image broken by sin I want to tell you how sin works every time every time everybody say every time every time every time time sin works this way 
You find, you find me the way it doesn't work this way and we'll talk about it, okay? Because I'm sure it works this way every time. Here it is. Number one, sin tempts you with what you think will be great fun. Oh, I want to do that. I want to be with that person. I want to go do that thing. I want to say that. I want to take that. I want to do that. Sin, number one, tempts you with what you think will be a great time. But number two, you enjoy sin for a very short time. Scripture says it like this, for a season, for just a small increment of time, you might actually enjoy sin. But number three, you immediately, there's a moment where you immediately feel guilt and shame. It works this way every time. You're tempted, you enjoy it, and then you live with regret, and you live with sadness, and you live with shame. Here's some examples. The hateful words you said when you lost your temper. Nobody's ever done that, right? You enjoyed it for half a second. There's a part of you that enjoys yelling those things and trying to hurt others because they tried to hurt you. But you only felt that way for half a second because suddenly you felt convicted in your heart and you said, I shouldn't have said those things. Now I never can take those things back. Stealing is the same. I know people who stole and quickly gave away what they stole because they could not bear to look at it anymore because all they saw was shame and guilt. They literally stole and they literally gave it away as quick as they could because that pleasure only lasted for a short amount of time. Drugs, alcohol abuse, physical abuse, cursing, lying, dishonoring your parents. The list goes on and on. Go back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve did not enjoy that forbidden fruit for very long. They regretted it every day of their life. Why? Because sin kills. Sin steals. Sin destroys. It's time to say goodbye to some sins that have been in your life. They only leave you with regret. They only leave you with shame. Thankfully, there's a way out of all of that. Y'all know about that? There is a way to be set free from sin forever. It, did, I'm, it sounds like I'm in a church that's never heard that before. Because usually I'm in a church that knows that there is a way to be set free from sin. And they get happy about that. I'm going to try that one more time. Do you know there's a way to be set free from your sin? Did you know that you don't have to be bound by that depression, by that regret, by that shame anymore? The broken image. Nobody enjoys the broken image but our enemy. He can't get enough of it. If, if, if the devil has a computer, he has got a slideshow that runs on it of all our failures and all our regrets. He can't get enough of that. Nobody but our enemy enjoys it. When we start to feel that shame and guilt, we lose all hope. We begin to hate ourselves. Somebody nod if you know what I'm talking about. You begin to hate ourselves. And then you often think that God must hate us. I've got shame. I hate myself. Surely God hates me. 
Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the immoral, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, or slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now we have some really sweet kids in here today. We actually censored the Bible for a moment. Listen, I didn't censor it in your book. I didn't censor it on Bible Gateway. If you want to know the uncensored version, you can absolutely go look at that. It's just some broken stuff that's not suitable for our talk tonight with Treehouse in here. Y'all understand? There is broken stuff, broken stuff, broken stuff. Nobody enjoys the broken image. What will happen? They won't inherit. What? The kingdom of God. We aren't just a little dinged on the side. We have more than a small crack. Let's be real. Because of sin, we are broken. And we are so broken that we're not welcome in God's kingdom. That's heavy. Y'all realize how heavy those words of Paul are? But I have great news. Here it is. The news is this. That's not you. Somebody look at somebody and say, that's not you. That broken image, that picture of the cell phone, that does not have to be you. To the alcoholic who has been told they will always be an alcoholic and they can never be set free. We say, that's not you. Somebody say, that's not you. To the person who loses their temper and has trouble forgiving. And no matter how, they hard, how hard they try, they always come back and they, they, they say another curse word. And they, they lose their temper all again and they punch walls. What do, we, what do we say to them? We say, that's not you. To the hypocrite who may not realize they're a hypocrite. Or perhaps they do and they've just not been able to change. We say, that's not you. To the felon who did things that they can't forgive themselves for doing. That's not you. To you who walked in here with guilt. To you who are watching online and think that you've been so bad that probably you're the exception to all the rule. It's probably true for everyone but you. I'm listening. No, I'm talking to you. That's not you. Somebody shout, that's not you. How can I say that? How can I say that? I'll tell you. Number one is this. God did not create you this way. He created a world that was good and he created mankind as good. You were created in the image of God. God didn't create you for the purpose of guilt. He didn't create you for the purpose of shame or death. God who created you and knows your purpose and design. He wants you to know that that's not you. That's not how he wants to see you. And then the second reason I can say that is the very next verse. What does it say? 1 Corinthians 6.11. Paul says, and this is after that list of really dark things that nothing will inherit the kingdom of God. He says this, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed. Somebody say washed. You were sanctified. You were justified 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You can clap for that. That's good news. What's Paul saying? He's saying, that's not you. Your broken image does not have to be who you are. It can become who you were. Because God will wash you, sanctify you, justify you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Somebody say washed. What's that about? I'm going to ask our musicians to come. In a few moments, we're going to be baptizing people. We'll get all that going. And then we're going to pray together in this altar. It's going to be a time of celebration. But I want to talk to you about some washing. One more time. Say wash. The scripture says you were washed. What do you think that's about? I want to tell you, I believe it is about baptism. And here is how I know. The same author. Who's the author of 1 Corinthians? Paul, very good. The Apostle Paul uses the exact same phrase in Acts 22 and 16. Paul says this. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on His name. Is he talking about baptism there? Yeah. In fact, this is Paul's testimony. This is a part of the moment where Paul is changed forever. Do you know what he was before this verse? He was a Christian hunter. He was a murderer. He took the people of God and locked them away. Jesus himself said, you are persecuting me, Paul. He actually held coats while a young man named Stephen was stoned to death. And he was blind at this point. That is who Paul was at this moment. But a man named Ananias says, what are you waiting for? You don't have to be like this forever. You can change. Paul, that is not you. What you did back there with Stephen where he died, that is not you. You're murdering. That is not you. Your denial of Jesus, that is not you. So don't you think it's time that you got up and you washed away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, That gives him all the authority to say, that's what some of you were. But you've been washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I'm telling you that murdering Saul got a good washing by God. And God washed him so good that the broken image of sin was removed forever. We're going to be baptizing today. And when we do, we're going to hold this verse in our hearts. Be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on his name. We believe that all the shame and all the guilt and all the sin will be washed away in the name of Jesus. We believe that the plans of the enemy, this is what I think the devil really hates. You can, you can accuse the devil of a lot. 
But you can never accuse the devil of not working hard. Y'all understand? The devil's working all the time to confuse you, to make you feel bad about yourself, to tempt you. He has got plans to destroy you, to kill you, and to steal from you. And he works at it all the time. But I want to tell you today, I believe that a large part of his blueprint is getting erased today. God's just washing it away. The plans of the enemy will be washed away forever in the name of the Lord. I believe there are snares and tricks that he has for you that just are now going to be completely foiled and broken forever. I believe that. Somebody say, reclaim the image. We were made in the image of God. We've gotten away from that image by sin. We need to reclaim that image today. We need to conform to the image of the invisible God. And that is Jesus Christ. The broken image that has been manipulated. It's been twisted. It's not honest. Is going to be gone forever. Beneath the blood of Jesus. We're going to come out of the water. Brand new. Scripture says that in several places. It says buried with him in baptism. Where when we rise to walk in the newness of life. We got some kids here that we're going to be baptizing. Do we have anybody else we're going to be baptizing? We're going to do that sometime? All right. Hey, we've got Jude. Can you come up? And we got Will. Can we clap for these two? Now, baptism is a celebration. Later today, I don't know where the Cowboys are playing. Are they playing in Dallas? Are they playing in Arlington? They're playing in California. Oh, San Francisco. So those poor delusional people, they think they have a chance at winning the Super Bowl this year. And so they're going to be shouting and cheering every time their team does something good. Tell me, anybody want to shout every time God does something good? So when, when they come up out of the water, Jude, Will, we believe when you come up out of this water, you're going to be a brand new person. And I want the first sound you hear to be your church family rejoicing. I want us to be praising God. I want to hear shouts of hallelujah. I want to hear joy. So, I'm, you know, this is so important that we're going to practice it. Okay, I want to make sure you're on your A game. So they come up out of the water. And what do you sound like? Yeah. yeah. And it's not fake enthusiasm. We're really excited. Hey, let's have a family come up. We got family with us. Can we hear it for our family come in? Yeah. Jude, you want to come first? Excellent. Let's help Jude get in. And we've got some towels over here. Let's get those. Hey, I'm going to pick you up putting there, okay? We good? All right. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Can y'all sing it? Oh, the blood. Keep singing. Of Jesus. Hey.
the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. There is power. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Power in the blood of Jesus that washes why as Hey everybody, I just asked, I asked Jude, I asked, who is your Lord and who died for you? And what'd you say? Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's who we're going to baptize you in today. I want you to hold your nose right here and hold your hand right here, right there. And I'm going to baptize you, all right? Jude Frazier, in accordance to your faith and the word of God, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God. Praise you, God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for Jude, God. Praise God. Amen, amen. All right, sweetheart, you can help. Jude, awesome. Let's sing another one. Come on, sing again. Here we go. There is power of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus, power in the blood of Jesus, that washes white as snow, oh, the blood. Mr. Will, who died for you? What's his name? Jesus. Who do you love and who do you want to serve? Jesus. Excellent. This is my son, Will Fluitt. I'm so proud of him. Go ahead and put your no- hand on your nose there. Hold your hand right there. Will, in accordance to your faith and your obedience to the word of God, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Will. Thank you, Lord God. Bless your name. Bless your name, Jesus. Praise your name in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood, oh, the blood. Stay on the plastic. Jesus, oh, the blood. Of Jesus that washes why. All right, guys, we're going to sing some songs together. This altar is open. Please don't fall into the baptism. That's my one thing I asked you today. But God is in this place. And if you want God to rework who you are, what the devil says about you is not true. What God says about you is true. These altars are open. If you want special prayer, come pray. If you want to take communion, Let's spend the next 10 minutes 
reaching out to the Lord and getting closer to Him. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship Him. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.